All right, everybody, this is the WWE Week in Review here on the unofficial WWE podcast. And, uh, you know, not a very upbeat tone tonight as two very just disturbing pieces of news have come down. Um, one more disturbing than the other, although both are are, are pretty um, are pretty hard to hear. And first is that Big E has a broken neck. He has use of his limbs. We'll get into that story. And also that Scott Hall is on life support. That actually broke just before I started recording this podcast. So we're going to get into all that. And yes, definitely uplift the show with some really good wrestling and some storylines that are going into WrestleMania that I'm really excited about. We'll talk about that and so much more. But first, let's hear from Dominic Tony with a message from the ICWA. Stop what you're doing. Listen closely. This could be the most important decision of your life. Do you know you have what it takes to be a professional wrestler? Do you possess the athleticism, the charisma, the drive to succeed? Are you willing to make the necessary sacrifices to become a star? If you said yes, the Iron City Wrestling Academy wants you. Located in South Park, PA, designed for all levels of experience, with frequent tryouts, seminars, and guest trainers from major promotions across the world. Past guests include Adam Cole, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, AJ Styles, Juventud Guerrera, Jonathan Gresham, and even more. Half the battle is believing you have what it takes. The other half is why you have the Iron City Wrestling Academy. For more information, go to IWCWrestling.com. That's IWCWrestling.com. Do you guys love mobile racing games and NFT collections? Then check out Meta Racer X. It's a mobile racing game. NFT collection, and VR gaming experience all rolled into one. With the earn element utilizing Prodigy tokens, players are not only able to put their tokens online in gameplay, but have the ability to grow their Prodigy token holdings by investing or earning in-game incentives. MetaRacer X offers high-end graphic gaming experiences with creative gameplay and a competitive racing system. So check them out. It's MetaRacerX.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at Meta underscore Racer underscore X or on Twitter at Meta underscore Racer X. MetaRacer X is a collection of 10,000 unique 3D art pieces that are about to drop on the Ethereum blockchain. They also have a Discord server. Just search for Meta Racers X. You can also just directly link to that Discord server and all of the social media that I just told you. If you look at their Twitter, uh, they have a link tree where all of these are available for you. But if you want more information, you can, of course, check them out on social media. But I would recommend you go right to their website at MetaRacerX.com. They're building a community of gamers, NFT collectors, and fans of racing. They're rolling out a motorsport NFT collection created by, by a major design studio, and they use NFTs to race the community and earn prizes. And the most exciting element of the project, their introduction of MRX to the VR world. Guys, check out MetaRacerX.com today. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast Week in Review. And I really wish that this was going to be news delivered on a a lighter note, but uh this is now likely nothing you haven't heard already, given how quickly information spreads. But Biggie, first and foremost, uh, broke his neck on SmackDown. He's not paralyzed. He has shown that he can use all of his fingers and toes, and at least that's what we know right now. And um, you know, obviously, it seems like it could have been a little more serious than it is. But a broken neck's a broken freaking neck, as Kurt Angle would say. And you know, I. I wish Biggie nothing but the best in recovery, and I wish him well. Uh, you know, I, I know that on this show, I'm not a fan of his character at all. But look, I'm I'm a human being. I understand the human element of this, and uh, you know, I, I can separate fact from fiction and life from you know, or fantasy from reality. I understand that. So, you know, look, he's a human being. 
and I do wish him nothing but the best. It's scary as hell. And the moment it happened, you know, I, I, you could see that Ridge Holland over overhead belly to belly suplex did not land right with Big E. And even the announcers said during that tag team matchup that uh, Big E appears injured. And he, you know, he, he didn't come in to help Kofi at the end of that match as Butch, i.e. Pete Dunn, came in to beat down Kofi. And he just kind of laid there. And the announcers, you could tell, were trying to cover for Big E. But it, it was a real injury. But, you know, all, all that fake wrestling he does must have uh, finally broken his neck. And um, I'm just being I'm just being a facetious jerk to those who always say that wrestling's fake. And, you know, look, the outcomes are predetermined, but uh, the injuries are real. So this is an example of that. And nothing I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. You know, in, in pro wrestling, it's always a risk. And in Big E's case, it unfortunately became reality. Now, again, we don't know the full details. Big E did take to Twitter and talk about it and say that he is able to use his hands. And again, that's very encouraging. And for those that are uh, looking forward to seeing Big E on WrestleMania or at WrestleMania, it's it's Im- nearly impossible. I mean, there's just absolutely no way. I know he didn't paralyze himself, but he broke his neck. I mean, it, I don't know the diagnosis. I'm not a doctor, but I would say that uh, minimum, like, you know, several months. That's my guess. Haven't heard anything official, but, uh, Anyway, so that that's that's part number one. Number two uh, with Scott Hall, and this broke a little bit before I hit that play button on this show, um, and or that record button. I, I will say that it was a bit surprising with Scott Hall, and when he was trending, that's it's never really a good thing. Usually, when someone's trending, especially when they're an older wrestler, especially. It's never usually a good thing that they're trending. Not always. Sometimes it's just happenstance. People are talking about like Stone Cold or whatever. But in this case with Scott Hall, I said, "Uh oh, why is he trending? And you see that he had three heart attacks after complications from a hip surgery in Georgia. He's currently on life support from what I understand. This is not a hoax. Obviously, no need for it to be. And it's a serious situation, much more serious than even Big E breaking his neck, which sounds crazy, but I mean, it is, it is what it is right now. You know, uh, Scott Hall is apparently, you know, knocking on death's door. I mean, like to to be totally honest, um, and I'm looking as we speak, I'm typing in to see if we have any updates on him. He's 63 years old. Number one, uh, he's 63 years old. And uh, certainly way too young to be going through something like this. And if he's on life support, I mean, that's, again, you're, you're knocking on death's door, I mean, to be totally frank. So um, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a reputable source here. So I'm on Yahoo, and it says that Hall 63 suffered three heart attacks from a loose blood clot suffered during after breaking his hip last week and undergoing replacement surgery. He was placed on life support at Wellstar Kenstone Hospital in Marietta, Georgia. Again, this is actually Yahoo who's taking this from PW Torch. A rep for Hall in the WWE did not immediately respond to a request for comment, though he never became... Okay, so they go into his uh, his history, which we all know what that is. His wrestling history, that is, but obviously his addiction history as well, which has been well documented. It was documented during, I think it was like a DDP Yoga might have been some kind of documentary doing for for DDP and Scott Hall was on it. Jake the Snake was part of it as recovering addicts. DDP trying to help them, and yes, I mean his addi- his addiction problems are are fairly well documented. And you know when I saw him trending, I thought, okay, drug overdose, he's dead. Yeah, I figured he lapsed, relapsed. He's, he's you know OD'd, found dead in a hotel room. Don't we all? Do we not think of that immediately? I know I did. Sadly. I don't want it to be, but uh, that's how I saw it. And here's the final uh, paragraph from Yahoo Entertainment. His addiction problems have been connected to multiple arrests for disorderly conduct, assault, and sexual misconduct. He was one of several wrestlers accused of sexually harassing two flight attendants on a WWF chartered flight in 2002, an incident that regained attention in the wrestling community after it became the subject of an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Okay, well, again, yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't exactly a straight shooter. 
No doubt about that. I mean, he had he had his demons, as we all do, as we all do. There's no doubt about that. We all have our uh, our, our issues, some more serious than others. But um, look, I mean, regardless of all of that, uh, we all hope that he pulls through. But life support's not a good place to be. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's that's it. That's the final hurdle before you just kind of, you, you go, right? So um, sad news, although maybe maybe it's not going to be so tragic, but I wouldn't be surprised if we all wake up tomorrow morning, or depending on when you're when you're listening to this, it probably already is in morning or whenever it is on, I say I'm recording this on Sunday night, but it all depends. So anyway, I hope I don't wake up tomorrow and see that he passed, but I, I, I kind of expect it, and I uh, would be shocked if I don't see that he did. So before we get there, though, let's not let's let's cross that bridge when we get to it. We're going to talk some pro wrestling, guys. We're going to lift this show back up here and uh, we're going to talk some some pro wrestling. But I have to uh, I have to, as I promised someone from Patreon, somehow missed an email. I don't know how this is happening. <laughs> it, it, I, it, you know, th- this service sometimes put messages in my different mailboxes. So uh, this message was originally supposed to air on the uh, the mailbag show and it did not. So here is what I want to uh, here's what I want to put in here because I I did miss this email from Kyle who's a, a patron of the show and I really appreciate his support. So we're gonna get to Kyle's email. It'll be uh, brief and then we'll jump right into the weekend review. So uh, here we go. All right, uh, Kyle from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, that's a really bad John Mason impression. And that, honestly, Kyle, that's the best you're gonna get. To be honest, uh, it's. <laughs> It's late at night. It's almost eleven o'clock at night. Had a long day, so I appreciate that. I maybe I'll work on the uh, the the impression. I saw you sent me a YouTube clip, so I can mimic John Mason. Uh, maybe I'll do a better job next time. So uh, here's here's uh, from Kyle. What's up, WWE Podcast? This is Kyle from Detroit, Michigan. We're officially less than a month away from WrestleMania, and excitement is building. First things first. The three-way tag team championship match to start off Raw was great. They did a good job of adding a few new spots and made it feel fresh. I absolutely love when Randy catches people with an RKO in midair. Oh, also, Chad Gable is a beast. Chad gave German suplexes to everyone in the ring and then stood, uh, still continued to throw his pe- throw people around. His promos are spot on, too. And the crowd is really catching on, which they should, considering the Alpha Academy added Shoosh to the song entrance and we're also wearing shirts with shoosh. Fantasy booking. Wouldn't it be fun to watch Chad Gable and Brock Lesnar have a suplex off where a bunch of wrestlers get in the ring and Chad and Brock start suplexing everyone in sight? Who can ever throw the most suplex uh, suplexes wins? Or maybe they compete to see who can suplex the biggest opponent like Commander Aziz. It would be a hell of a sight. Thoughts? Well, it would be, but I don't think Brock Lesnar would partake in that. I mean, it doesn't really seem to fit Brock Lesnar's uh, personality, even in his kind of weird... I don't know, Mr. Outdoorsman, Mr. Woodsman, Mr. Brawny. I feel like he's like the the brawny uh, mascot come to life at this point with his um, his plaid. I mean, he, he's an axe and a tree falling away from being the brawny man. But I, I don't think that would work because it would be such an exposure of the business. Like, is everyone just going to stand there and everyone just single file gets in the ring? I mean, I can see them doing it on like a tough enough where it's it's obviously a little bit more loose and people know that the business is, is is a work and it's part of the show that it's a work instead of actually being presented on the show as real. So I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't think they would, what, what would that, who would that benefit and how, you know, I, I get it. I, I understand the, the visual of it, but the damage it would do, I think to Brock's character and to, to everyone involved, like wh- why I don't, I, I just, I don't know why or how that would help. Um, I get it though. The suplex and seeing Commander Aziz take a, 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 a suplex, German suplex would be fun. Okay. How did Liv Morgan and Rhea end up in a tag team? Did I miss something? I don't mind them being together, but I don't remember hearing any explanation. Queen Zelina looks absolutely tiny when fighting with Rhea. When Rhea pins Zelina, the way she folds Zelina up looks silly. As Rhea was holding Zelina's legs up, it looked like a baby getting their bottom wiped and diaper changed. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, Kyle. I didn't, uh, but you're exactly right. Yeah, Zelina, or rather, um, yeah, Zelina is, she's a small woman, and even small in comparison to, like, just everyday people. I think she's small, so when you put her in the ring with 
women who are larger because they were in wrestling and they're more muscular and much taller. She looks does kind of look childlike, albeit she's, I think, a great personality. I, I, I've been a big fan of Selena Vega since she was in the uh, as a manager role for Austin Theory and Angel Garza at one point. And I don't, I'm not a fan of this queen thing because it doesn't – I mean, it's okay for her, but it's very one-dimensional. And I know she's got way more to, to offer. As far as how did they end up in a team, how did Liv and Rhea end up in a team, Kyle, it's very simple. They ended up in a team because neither had anything else going on at WrestleMania and WWE decided to stick them together so that they they could add this very manufactured depth to the women's tag team division because they didn't have a tag team division for months and they had the women's tag team champions going unopposed for months. Zelina and Carmella had nobody else in the division. And you'll notice this from time to time where WWE puts the tag belts on somebody and then they just disappear and into oblivion because they have no feet. No, no follow up. They just do things, make somebody champion, change, change the uh, belt holders. And then they go into the abyss and you're I can guarantee that'll happen at WrestleMania. That's how they ended up together. Cause they had nothing else going on at WrestleMania period. Fantasy booking. Carmella's mask had a story months ago. Now it's just a part of gear, essentially. But wouldn't it be great if they developed a story around the mask? For example, let's say the mask gets ripped off mid-match, exposes her face. She pleads for her opponent to pause to the uh, pause the match to put another mask. But then her opponent takes advantage and starts pummeling Carmella in the face to win the fight. I think most of us would have to or would love to see Carmella get pummeled in the face, and it would be especially dramatic if it happened right in front of Corey Graves. After the fight, Carmella is completely embarrassed and distraught and runs to the locker room, covering her face and crying. The next time we see her, her face is completely battered and bruised and all messed up. Or maybe she wouldn't show her face anymore and just wears a mask all the time like the Kane character. She becomes silent, despondent, and has a really crazy look in her eyes through the mask. She can have a feud with whoever it was that damaged her face, or she could even just attack them in the middle of the match. She then just starts attacking wrestlers out of nowhere during their matches, only hitting their faces and trying to damage them. It could start a lot of feuds and actually make her character interesting. I highly doubt she has the range to pull off something like this. What uh, would that would that be interesting? Yeah, it would be. But I, here's the thing. I mean, how would you explain the first how many years of her career where she had a, uh, how many matches and women punched her in the face all the time and it never left a bruise or a mark at all? I mean, that, that's a much larger issue, too, is how do we always have these perceived punches? And yet there's never any marks on anyone ever. You know, that, that's a larger question. So that, that that's the question I'd have about that is, well, why is her face so delicate now when for years, you know, she she took these quote unquote punches and never left any bruises? That's the question I'd have. Uh, here's another random thought. I wish RK bro would have been the team to bring back the 3D by the Dudleys. The reason I think that is because 3D is essentially a two-person stunner, and we could have been sold as a two-person RKO. They could have literally called the move RK Bro, not that the Usos did a bad job with bringing it back as 1D. I like it, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think it would have been a perfect, would have been perfect if Riddle did the toss-up, since he's similar to that in his move set. And obviously Randy would provide the stunner or RKO portion of the move. It is a very nostalgic move. It's a great, one of the best tag team finishes of all time. And it is a baby face finish. So it's weird that the, the new day are take, or rather the uh, Usos are taking that. It is a weird thing, but I think the Usos do it. Well, they pay, they, they do, they, they do it justice. They do that move justice. So I don't hate it, but it is a babyface move. But look at Kevin Owens taking the stunner. That That is a babyface move. That's the biggest babyface maneuver of all time. Look at uh, Seth Rollins taking the pedigree. That was, a, for a while, a babyface move. I mean, so just because they're assigned babyface, his, or a babyface team used it historically doesn't mean that it has to continue as, as that, you know, as, as that role, but... I hear you. Uh, I really enjoyed Champa and Breaker versus Rude and Ziggler. I think Breaker looked good, and I think he's ready for WWE. And uh, and then your final uh, fantasy booking here. 
you say, I think Austin Theory and Breaker would be a good match. They could fight for the attention of Vince, and whoever wins gets a shot at the title, WWE title. Maybe the U.S. title since it just changed to Finn Balor. Although I love Finn and would love to see him carry the belt for a long time, I just don't see WWE doing that. They they have shown in the last year that they don't think of Balor that much, and they could have Theory and Breaker feud for a couple of months while Balor fights in a couple of contenders matches. Eventually, Breaker beats Austin in a series of matches and could challenge Balor for the title. This is all assuming Braun drops both the NXT title or, or drops his NXT title and moves up to the main roster. Thoughts? Well, you know more about Braun Breaker than I do. I mean, <laughs> that's why I have somebody do NXT for me because I don't watch it. Uh, I, mean, I know generally who's who and what's going on as a as a very on a very high level, but I uh, you know I, I don't have any thoughts on this because I don't watch it enough, at least enough to make an intelligent response. So I don't want to make one up. But I I, I mean, it sounds good. It sounds good. I mean, the Austin Theory part of it, the having him having him lose, everyone fights over the attention of Vince. Um, the the problem with that, the, from a, a concept standpoint, though, with them fighting for the attention of Vince, is that really what they should be fighting for? I mean, they're there. They are, they obviously already got Vince's attention. Otherwise, otherwise they wouldn't have signed him, or he wouldn't have signed them. So them to fight over the attention of Vince is almost the equivalent of you know two guys or two girls fighting for the attention of, you know, the attractive person at school, like, you know, two guys fighting for the attention of a girl at school. Like it's, it's very, very, I, I think immature in terms of where they should be in their professional careers to fight for the attention of somebody. That's the problem I have with it. But Braun Breaker, I hear is, and I've seen him work a few times. I, people have said he could be the one to take the belt off Roman Reigns. I've heard that many times. Overall, I enjoyed the wrestling on both Raw and SmackDown, but the stories and promos lacked a little outside of Roman, of course, who's in God mode right now. I hope Becky's voice comes back soon. What will Seth and Ra- what will Seth Rollins be doing at WrestleMania? He's my favorite right now, and I'd hate for him to miss another WrestleMania or end up in a filler match with no story. Maybe him and KO end up wrestling the Street Profits. Well, uh, yeah, he say uh, <laughs> no, Kyle. That's not going to happen. Stone Cold Steve Austin is facing Kevin Owens in, on the KO show. I don't know what to call it. Match confrontation. They don't know either because they're too afraid to label it as a match. Seth Rollins has blacked out all of his social media. I think that Seth Rollins does something big at WrestleMania that will remember and impactful and people will be talking about. Or maybe he shows up on the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. But Seth Rollins cannot be left off this year's WrestleMania. I know he doesn't have a traditional path right now. And there are still three weeks, three, three weeks of television to do something with him to set him up for something. And they still could do that. All right. Kyle, thank you for your contribution, and we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're jumping right into some 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 things that'll lift you up, I think. After all that negativity and downer stuff with uh, the news about Big E and Scott Hall, I think we're going to we're going to start off at the other side of the break with something positive. So that's my promise to you. That's the hook. So stick around. Do you guys love mobile racing games and NFT collections? Then check out Meta Racer X. It's a mobile racing game, NFT collection, and VR gaming experience all rolled into one. With the earn element utilizing Prodigy tokens, players are not only able to put their tokens online in gameplay, but have the ability to grow their Prodigy token holdings by investing or earning in-game incentives. MetaRacer X offers high-end graphic gaming experiences with creative gameplay and a competitive racing system. So check them out. It's MetaRacerX.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at Meta underscore Racer underscore X or on Twitter at Meta underscore Racer X. MetaRacer X is a collection of 10,000 unique 3D art pieces that are about to drop on the Ethereum blockchain. They also have a Discord server. Just search for Meta Racers X. You can also just directly link to that Discord server and all of the social media that I just told you. If you look at their Twitter, uh, they have a link tree where all of these are available for you. But if you want more information, you can, of course, check them out on social media. But I would recommend you go right to their website at MetaRacerX.com. They're building a community of gamers, NFT collectors, and fans of racing. They're rolling out a motorsport NFT collection created by by a major design studio, and they use NFTs to race the community and earn prizes. 
And the most exciting element of the project, their introduction of MRX to the VR world. Guys, check out MetaRacerX.com today. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's jump into something good. Something good is Brock Lesnar coming out at the beginning of the show and declaring that Roman has, quote-unquote, done, boy, you done changed the game. And if there's anything that WWE has done, they have not scripted Brock Lesnar. There is no way that anybody would come up with that line other than Brock Lesnar himself. You done changed the game. Yeah, that did not come from Vince. So, I mean, I had no problem with it. I think it's good because it's Brock speaking in his own voice. And it's something new and kind of a different dimension of Brock. But what I really like, not just the unscripted stuff, what I really like is the fact that they have moved Brock Lesnar into a more serious tone. Brock didn't come out and do his kind of smile that he's been doing lately. I'm almost taking a cue from Ronda Rousey, who just can't help herself. And I'll get to her down the line, something I... I, I, I don't know. The, the more I watch Ronda, and I'll get again, I'll get to her. I'm I'm chomping at the bit to get to her. I'll I'll pause. Let me get back to Brock. Now, I'm glad that they have decided to go more serious because Mister Smiling, uh, you know, Nomad Brock, was getting to me a little bit too fun loving. It went a little too far. And where Brock said, "Roman, you done changed the game." That makes sense, given what happened to him in Madison Square Garden. That was essentially the only reason they went to Madison Square Garden was to have Roman just bloody Brock to further their WrestleMania story. That's it, because you didn't hear about anything else that happened on that show, did you? I didn't. So that is the main reason. They played that over and over and over about with the Madison Square Garden thing, and they said it was the most viewed story of all time uh, on WWE's account. Well, yeah, it's the most viewed story of all time because nobody saw it. Right? It's a live event. If people have seen something on TV, they're not going to go to your story on Instagram to watch it. So that's why it was the most viewed story, because it wasn't on TV. Anyway, it still speaks volumes to the story that people are interested in that. That's fine. But I like that they turned Brock a little more serious. I thought he was going to come in tearing crap up, but he doesn't have to do that every time. He basically said that he wants blood. Right? He, he's here for blood. Paul Heyman came out and informed Brock, that Paul Heyman, or rather Roman Reigns is not here. However, they'll come face-to-face next week. Both of them will be in the building. That's been advertised already. But Lesnar threatened Heyman. Heyman went running, and Brock chased him. Heyman got in a vehicle and sped off as Brock Lesnar nearly caught up to the vehicle. And that's it. But it was short, sweet, but it changed the tone of Brock Lesnar, which it should. Mr. Fun-Loving needs to take a step to the side and sit on the bench. And if this didn't get Brock serious, I don't know what would have. So that's good. So I I really enjoyed this. I got to say, I really did. All right. Let's jump into the next matchup here. And that is, what was it? Debut of Butch. New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. That's what actually took place. This is the match in which Big E got injured with the overhead belly to belly by Rich Holland that we saw on the outside of the ring, obviously an accident. We, we spoke about that. But this this match was really just designed to debut Butch, i.e. Pete Dunne. Everyone seems to lose their name coming from NXT or have their name added, chopped up, mutilated, something. Uh, you know, Piper Niven becomes Dewdrop. Pete Dunne becomes you know, uh, Butch, among other examples that my brain is too tired to compute. But Pete Dunn made his, this is what Bleacher Report said, Pete Dunn made his main debut, main roster debut along Ridge, alongside Rich Holland and Sheamus. And the, the, the UK champion renamed Butch is the latest stupid idea from creative, as Bleacher Report said. <laughs> I mean, what did, uh, yeah, that's another uh, thing is um, another person that had their name altered is Walter. He's, I can't remember the damn name. Walter became something else. I could probably Google it. But uh, it's just, it is, it's weird. Uh, so anyway, the Celtic Warrior and his former rugby playing partner squared off with the New Day, a typical energetic tag team match. 
And back on the inside here after Biggie landed on his head, Biggie um, was injured. And then back inside, Sheamus delivered an ugly bro kick to Kingston, who was perched on the ropes. A beat, you know, beat down by Butch followed, but the visible concern for Biggie. Okay, yeah. So um, that was uh, that was essentially it. I mean, it, it seems as if, and you know what? I got to say, as stupid as it is to, to rename somebody Butch, which is, just doesn't make sense. Is uh, that Sheamus seems to be quietly building a stable now, and he's got people behind him, young talent that he can help build. And yes, the the Biggie injury overshadows almost everything that happened here. But on the other side of that, once Biggie is healed and and we've been confirmed he's okay, and you're like, okay, cool, he's got three to four months, whatever it is, his recovery time. Then you can start to look at the less important thing of this and and, and aspect of this, and that is the. The, the 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 stable that Sheamus seems to be quietly building, and I'm all for it. I'm all for Sheamus having some protégés that he can use to do his dirty work, and he stands behind the scenes and takes te- cheap shots. That seems to be what they're doing. I'm on, I'm on board for it. I think that's good. As stupid as the name Butch is. Okay, uh, Sami Zayn rants, and we have a six-man tag team match. Again, we have Johnny Knoxville, who refuses to take off his sunglasses, whether it's at night, in the morning, probably sleeps with them. I mean, he, he could be in a uh, a pitch-dark room and find a need to wear sunglasses. It's, I don't know. Can you tell I'm not a fan of Johnny Knoxville? I, I, maybe I made that too glaringly obvious. So after Johnny Knoxville responded to Sami Zayn blowing up his phone by flying the former IC champion's number over L.A. on a plane, the conspiracy-minded heel ranted about the obscene number of calls and texts he received over the day in a fun, inoffensive continuation of a few that has been both of these things. So yeah, okay, so Johnny Knoxville then uses a plane to put Sami Zayn's number out there, obviously not his real number. Okay, I'm just moving on. This is just ridiculous. I love Sami Zayn, but this is... It's just... It's embarrassing. Okay, back in the arena, Drew McIntyre made his way to the ring for a six-man tag team match. His partners, the Viking Raiders, caught a pre-match beatdown that that prevented them from competing as history proved to repeat itself. Repetition and rematches, anyone? Yeah, Uh, that's exactly right, Bleacher Report. I mean... Can the Viking Raiders just actually have a match once in a while? I know, I mean, I know, I know they did over the last week or so, but can they just once in a while just you know not be attacked backstage, not be attacked on their way to the ring as we saw at the last pay-per-view from the Usos? Can they actually have a match? Or does WWE not even want them on their screen because they, they think, or maybe they, they have numbers to prove it, that they are a ratings bust or that no one's interested or whatever? But they just continually like have them on screen, but don't actually use them. It's weird. Okay, McIntyre took down General Hall, Shanky, and Mad Cat Moss. But before he could unleash Unhappy Corbin, the Scottish warrior found himself on the receiving end of a beatdown. He hulked up, though, fended off the heels, and stared down his WrestleMania opponent to close out a segment that ripped every heel but Corbin of their credibility. Yeah, I mean, but isn't that the point? Isn't that the point for your report? That's the point, because that's where the program is. Regardless of what we think about this this program, whether we think it's beneath Drew at WrestleMania, whatever we think of it, and boy, I have some thoughts on it. We have to look at this, too, from, from Drew McIntyre, or rather from Baron Corbin's perspective. If you're Baron Corbin and you're a Baron Corbin fan, this is the biggest opportunity you've ever had, bar none, to face a former world champion who beat Brock Lesnar in short order you know, to, to become WWE champion, a guy that carried the WWE on his back for 18 months. And you're going to be in a WrestleMania match against him. I mean, if you're Baron Corbin, you got to be elated. But if you're Drew McIntyre or you're a Drew McIntyre fan, the perception is what are they doing with Drew at WrestleMania? This is crazy. You know, it depends on where you stand. Uh, so, okay. Well, Bleacher Report said this, the Zane promo was fantastic. A guy who entered WWE as an underdog from the underground has developed into one of the most be- the best heels of the last decade. A guy the company trusts to have these high-profile matches and moments with celebrities. That this makes him valuable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I got I don't no, I don't disagree with Zayn being fantastic. I mean, Zayn has been fantastic for a long time now. I've often said that if it wasn't for Roman Reigns, 
being as good as he is as a heel, even better than some suspected as a heel, Sami Zayn would be champion. He'd be champion, and they would be taking him seriously instead of just kind of this joke heel that anyone could beat. And and I'm scared for Sami Zayn at WrestleMania that Johnny Knoxville is going to beat him clean. I'm very scared for that. But Sami Zayn is a, is a, is really talented, and if it wasn't for Roman, I believe he would be champion, or at least have had a stint with the belt. All right, then we get Ronda Rousey segment here. Uh, Ronda Rousey cut a promo insisting she is more than a one move uh, one move wonder, citing that the ankle lock was passed on to her by mentor Kurt Angle in a promo, and she's still discovering her confidence. It showed she's still disco- rediscovering her confidence on the microphone. Charlotte Flair interrupted, brushed off the ankle lock, and made her tap out, uh, or, or brushed off the ankle lock and her tap out from last week and vowed to be the one to tap Rousey out at WrestleMania, speaking with the authority of a performer who knows how to sell a match to an audience. Rousey put an exclamation point on the promo, promising Flair will either tap out or she'll take the Queen's arm home with her. C+. Plus. Uh, Rousey, this is the analysis from Bleacher, and then I'm going to respond here because I've got something to say. Rousey recalling her partnership with Angle in her first match at 30, WrestleMania 34 was great stuff and adds to her totally logical implementation of the ankle lock and Flair retreating from the ring like a coward but still talking trash to Rousey it was great heel work and puts over the fact that she is very much intimidated by her opponent. Okay, if it wasn't for Charlotte, this would be awful. Now, I know it takes two to tango, but you got to have a good dance partner and Ronda Rousey on the microphone is... Uh, She's never been great. She started as as uh, Bleacher Report did say. She started to she, you know trying, feels like she needs to rediscover that voice, and maybe it does take a little time. I don't remember Rousey ever being in her first stint in WWE, her first one year run, ever being knockout good on the mic. She never was. She's always had this kind of weird sly smile with everything she says, and that's and it just really bothers me. Everything she says, like, I can't take seriously. She doesn't talk with authority in her voice. She talks like she's trying to remember her lines. or She speaks so softly. You, you can't call yourself the baddest woman on the planet and then act like a shy Sunday schoolgirl on the microphone. I mean, you just can't do it. I'm not saying it's easy. Far be it from me. I, I, Of course, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I could do this any better. But I know what works and what looks good and what's convincing and what you get emotionally attached to and what you don't. And what Ronda Rousey says, I just don't believe. I mean, I just in her voice, it's quiet. She's got the kind of that side smile she does that I want to punch her in the face. Um, you know, it, it's um, I don't know anybody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everything she says, she like she'll deliver a sentence and then she'll hold the microphone off to the side and then she'll do a side smile or kind of a, a little bit of a, I don't know what it is. It's, it's like a nervous tick. I'm not sure, but it's really annoying. And on top of that, her message is not believable because she doesn't believe it herself. And it's obvious when you don't believe it yourself because you're speaking quietly, almost timidly. And then Charlotte comes out with all this conviction and knows how to sell a match as, as uh, bleacher report says. And I believe what Charlotte Flair says. I believe what she says more than Rhonda. So for the baddest woman on the planet, she is a child on the microphone right now. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And and Ronda Rousey as a personality is, I mean, I'll leave it at that. All right. Let's get to another matchup here. Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler. I really thought that Natalia... And Shayna Baszler were going to win this matchup. I really did because the rumor is that they're going to be added to the women's title match, tag title match, and therefore make it a fatal four-way. And there's still time to do that. You still have a few weeks to WrestleMania where they could do that and add that stipulation. If Natalia and Shayna beat so-and-so next week, they're added to the women's tag team title match, which is almost inevitable. What else are they going to do with them? And why else would they have made them a team? I mean, Natalia has had, I would love to know the number of tag partners over Natalia's career that she's had different tag team partners. It's got to be dozens. And they throw her with no explanation either. Okay, uh, here's Bleacher Report's write-up on this. Despite advertising Naomi and Sasha versus Carmella and Queen Zelina earlier in the day, it was Natalia and Shayna whom the babyface tandem squared off with. The Queen of Hearts and Spades 
respectively worked Naomi over early, but a tag to Banks sparked a comeback. The boss thwarted an attempt to interference from Zelina and Carmella and pinned Natalia following a code breaker to wrap up a nondescript match. Yeah, there wasn't much to this. You talk about a cold match with two people that don't belong in a tag team anyway. This is see, this is the uh, the downside of another massive downside of having the women's tag team titles at all in existence because you're forcing people who have no business being in a tag team to suddenly just decide to be in a tag team with no explanation. And it takes them out of any singles competition they can have at WrestleMania. Now I'm not saying I want them in a battle Royal. Hell no. I mean, I really hope there's no women's battle Royal this year. I I mean, maybe they did away with that. I just, I'm having bad flashbacks because every single year, they have like one serious women's match, and then the rest of this is just like you know, everyone that everyone else, you know, to the battle royal. But I don't know. Sasha and Naomi don't make sense to me, and having each one uh, one come out to the other's entrance music one week, and then vice versa the next week. I don't even to say. And, and honestly, they aren't even able to speak. We haven't heard from Sasha Banks as she is getting lost right now, and. Again, this is also the the the, the uh, side effect of having Ronda Rousey in the in the mix here because I don't think they want anybody else in that matchup with with uh, Charlotte Flair. Is that there's if there's no room for anybody else, what are these women supposed to do? I've got an answer for you. Come up with a mid tier women's championship, maybe uh, some kind of equivalent to the IC or United States Championship, and they you know what you do. You abolish the tag team titles, so you don't have to deal with this every week. And every year, and every pay-per-view, or every few pay-per-views, as it seems. All right, moving on. Rick Boogs versus Jay Uso was next on SmackDown. The Usos were set to make clear their WrestleMania 31, uh, 38 plans, but Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs interrupted them in a moment that should not have been all that surprising to anyone who paid attention to last week's show. Boogs, with his knees ra- or a knee wrapped up, suckered Jay into a match with the title opportunity at WrestleMania on the line. In a nice little angle, Boogs revealed it to be an act and proceeded to pick up the win in a sprint of a match with Boogs, well, with the Boogs Cruise. Jimmy Uso rocked Boogs with a cheap super kick to restore that heat and the, that the most dominant tag team in WWE and two-thirds of the bloodline did not actually lose in defeat. All right, the analysis of uh, this is that Boogs' fake out was a nice touch. I agree. Yeah, and and... Boog's strength is that he has he's got obviously a you know he's very talented on on the guitar he can actually sing and he's got a look to him he's muscular there's something more to Rick Boog's is that eventually a world title holder maybe but at bare minimum US or IC title for sure there is more to Rick Boog's no doubt about it and, you know, I really am looking forward to what they do with him uh, moving forward, especially in 2022. Um, all right, moving on. Pat McAfee whoops that ass. Intercontinental champion Ricochet versus Sami Zayn. So a red-hot angle unfolded prior to the Intercontinental Championship match as Austin Theory insulted Pat McAfee ringside only to catch a beatdown from Pat. Pat, after being slapped again, jumped over the, in-ring, uh, the announcer's table and just started pummeling Austin Theory, who, by the way, how is he there as a Raw star? I guess because he's Vince McMahon's pet project. I guess that's the explanation, but we're never told. So Pat McAfee and Austin Theory are still facing one another at WrestleMania, and fine, no problem, whatever. I mean, I don't understand how or why people feel like this is something that they need to do. And you got to tell me one thing, too. If you are in this storyline with Vince for many months and you're thinking, oh, cool, man, we're going we're gonna to have an amazing WrestleMania. He's going to put me in a good match. And he throws you in a match with an announcer. Something's wrong. Something is wrong because it's not allowing you to showcase your talent. I mean, Pat McAfee probably has some athletic skill that we, you know, and, and he does. I know he does. But in a pro wrestling ring, you know, we're going we're gonna to find out. He showed a little bit of fire on SmackDown, but we're going to see in an actual match setting if if that can be sustained. Um, I wouldn't have too much hope for that. And that, that's what I'm saying is it tampers and reduces the amount of uh, of a show that Austin Theory could put on because he's limited by what Pat McAfee can do. 
All right, so let's uh, let's continue on here. The actual main event was Ricochet versus Sami Zayn in a, a United States, or rather, Intercontinental Championship match. Really good. What do you expect? Two professionals. Ricochet can do anything. He's superhuman. Then you look at Sami Zayn. You talk in-ring psychology. Great. He's got his character on lock. These two have really good chemistry. And it's exactly what you'd expect from a quality standpoint. And we had Sami Zayn lose clean as we had recoil get delivered to Sami Zayn and the 630 splash to retain the title. And uh, Ricochet seems to be getting a push of sorts. We'll see how long this lasts, but I'm fine with it. Of course, this is not what Raw or rather SmackDown went off with. It went off with uh, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair brawling backstage and we have the, uh, the vehicular assault, which seems to be continuing for some reason. I mean, anytime Charlotte Flair and uh, Ronda Rousey are around vehicles backstage, they seem to be just magnetically attracted to them as the last time in, the, in their first go around at WrestleMania 35. I remember Ronda getting kicked in the head as she stuck her head out of the, uh, I think it was a police car. And you know, we had Charlotte Flair knee her in the face or something. And so for whatever reason, they they find interest in the vehicle assault, a vehicular assault uh, framework for these two backstage. I don't have a complaint about it, and it's fine. It's fine. It's always fun seeing people brawl backstage. We don't, I don't think we see enough of it, honestly. I don't think we see enough of it. And having uh, these two fight and, and seeing Charlotte get the, the upper hand on Rousey was interesting. It was very interesting. So uh, anyway... An overall decent SmackDown. I, I don't think it was earth-shattering in any way. Unfortunately, it was headlined by something that wasn't even supposed to happen in Big E breaking his neck. We got Brock Lesnar wanting blood. That's always good. That's what he should have done. Uh, over on Raw, we had RK-Bro win the tag team titles in an absolute incredible matchup with those tr- uh, tr- that triple threat match that lasted like an hour and a half. It felt like it felt like half of Raw was that tag team match. But it was deserving. It was it was it was really good. Um, but it was this raw as good as that match was, and as important as that win was for for RK Bro. This is all about Stone Cold Steve Austin um, and his appearance on the KO show, which Stone Cold did accept. Kevin Owens officially called out Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it was it was good. Uh, Austin did respond, and I have no problem with that. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, what else happened on Raw? We had Miz and Logan Paul hosted Jerry Lawler with the hometown celebration. Miz turned heel on his own home crowd. Omos defeated Apollo Crews. Edge addressed his attack on AJ Styles, which I thought was just so well done with the way that Edge evolved his character in a week with Darker, already modified his music, took out everything that we loved about the character. Really good stuff. Uh, We had uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker defeat Zolf Ziggler and Robert Roode. Finn Balor defeat Austin Theory via disqualification. Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan defeat Carmella and Queen Zelina. And that's it. That's essentially the show. So I, I do skim over Raw. I say this every time, but those that are new, you may say, this isn't a weekend review. This is a SmackDown review. It's heavy on SmackDown, no doubt. But, I mean, we already have a great team of John and... Um, and Michael Ritter, who do a great job of covering SmackDown, but I never get a chance to give my take. So now that I can give my full take, I do. And since we have a dedicated Raw show, I skim over it, but give you a quick reminders. Now, tomorrow night on Raw, we have a uh, an RK-Bro tag team title win celebration coming. So we'll have to see what comes of that. So, all right, everybody. So before we go, I want to thank you for listening. I didn't get a chance to plug my stuff, but if you want to head over to my website at wwepodcast.com, you can go VIP and for a dollar fifty using the promo code WrestleMania, you'll get a dollar fifty for the first month. It's ad free shows, ad free everything, as well as a few video ex- video exclusive shows that are uh, behind the scenes. It was just a few minutes of a of a clip and uh, some other interviews that are uh, or takes that I have done that are video exclusive only to the website. You're not going to find them anywhere else. So head on over to WWE pod, WWE podcast.com. Click go VIP 
and uh, or you can click the login button at the top of the page and you'll be able to get in. Just use the promo code WrestleMania and it'll give you 50% off your first month, which comes to $1.50. Or you can go to Patreon and get hundreds of ad-free shows. And I know many of you have done that. So head on over there or use Apple Podcasts, the built-in Apple Podcasts app that everyone has. We have an ad-free button. It's right there. Click, get rid of these pesky ads. It's right there. And for 99 cents a month, you can get everything ad-free. Or for $10 for the entire year, we're running this special again through WrestleMania. $10 the entire year on Apple Podcasts. Lock in your price. Even if it increases, you don't get charged more. That price is locked in for 12 months. That's less than 99 cents a month. It's crazy for hundreds of ad show, ad-free shows. All right, guys, as you can tell, I can't even speak. I'm so tired now. So I want to thank you for listening. It is much appreciated. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or anywhere that you can. And I will talk to you guys on Tuesday for your Monday Night Raw review, which is going to be very interesting considering that that point will be, uh, my God, what, two weeks away from WrestleMania? It's just, it's getting, it's getting, it's like here, guys. I mean, we're here. It's that close to WrestleMania. So, all right, everybody, thanks so much for, for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Do you guys love mobile racing games and NFT collections? Then check out Meta Racer X. It's a mobile racing game, NFT collection, and VR gaming experience all rolled into one. With the earn element utilizing Prodigy tokens, players are not only able to put their tokens online in gameplay, but have the ability to grow their Prodigy token holdings by investing or earning in-game incentives. MetaRacer X offers high-end graphic gaming experiences with creative gameplay and a competitive racing system. So check them out. It's MetaRacerX.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at Meta underscore Racer underscore X or on Twitter at Meta underscore Racer X. Meta Racer X is a collection of 10,000 unique 3D art pieces that are about to drop on the Ethereum blockchain. They also have a Discord server. Just search for Meta Racers X. You can also just directly link to that Discord server and all of the social media that I just told you. If you look at their Twitter, uh, they have a link tree where all of these are available for you. But if you want more information, you can, of course, check them out on social media. But I would recommend you go right to their website at MetaRacerX.com. They're building a community of gamers, NFT collectors, and fans of racing. They're rolling out a motorsport NFT collection created by, by a major design studio, and they use NFTs to race the community and earn prizes. And the most exciting element of the project, their introduction of MRX to the VR world. Guys, check out MetaRacerX.com today. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time